Welcome to the latest episode of Angles, the Anglia Advisors podcast. Many within the financial industry are often, and correctly I might add, accused of actively choosing to surround their subject matter with a wall of deliberate complexity, excessive legalese, um, unnecessary acronyms, hard to understand mathematical concepts, selective history, outlandish claims, all in order to keep the layperson out of the loop while the smart financial advisor guides you through this swamp of information. It makes them feel important and, they think, look knowledgeable. Don't worry, says the typical financial advisor, just get on with whatever it is that you do in your life and I'll, I'll understand all this stuff for you. Well, if there's one sector that may be even worse in the financial industry when it comes to firing out phrases, anecdotes, acronyms that they absolutely know 90% of those listening to them do not even begin to understand, it's the crypto and blockchain crowd. Even though these people are often kids, millennial kids, uh, it actually resembles an old boys network where you'll be led in if you have a certain level of knowledge and understanding. But it's not our responsibility to provide you with that knowledge and understanding. Uh, we'll keep talking to everyone as if they had that level of knowledge, but we know that only a tiny percentage do. And the smaller that percentage remains, the cleverer we look. Just like the old-time financial advisor, many of these guys revel in and adore the complexity of their subject matter, delighting in the fact that hardly anyone understands what they're talking about, and therefore rendering themselves important, in fact, in their own eyes, essential. So I decided to try and find someone from that industry who is not infected with this attitude and could give me some straightforward answers to some very basic questions. Asema Beck works in investor relations at Blockcelerate and is relatively new to an incredibly new industry. I wanted to get from her some clarity and basic understanding of what crypto assets are, what the blockchain is, how they work, and how they may change the world. And so I give you my interview with Asema Beck. Hey, Asima. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? Very, very good. Very good to connect with you. I, I'm looking forward to this because I have a lot to learn on this uh, subject matter. And um, so I really appreciate you coming on. Um, we're going to talk today about mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies, the blockchain. We have a few sort of ground rules about... Uh, about vocabulary, which I'll explain in a moment. But really what we're trying to do, at least in the first part of this, um, of this podcast, is to search for some clarity in terms of the vocabulary and the component parts of this debate. So before we get into the more uh, subjective ideas about where this can go, uh, mm -hmm. is it not a good idea? I want to get... Um, real clarity, understandable descriptions of what, of what we're talking about here. Um, cryptocurrency and the blockchain, I really want to treat those two as two different items. And they um, are. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that sounds like a way to go forward, uh, Sema. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I think we need to treat those two things uh, entirely differently uh, because the underlying technology that is worth mentioning and that's golden at this point is blockchain and cryptocurrencies is just one of the elements of crypt- overall crypto assets. So let's treat those two things Perfect. separately. So, but before we do that, let's let's learn a little bit more about you. Um, have you uh, always been uh, been interested in this world? What? How did your How did the path lead you to uh, blockchain and crypto assets? Well, my my background is quite unique in a sense. I'm not coming from technological background or heavily financial investment types of background. Um, so. So hopefully some of your uh, audiences can relate to me uh, and not be as intimidated because we do have sometimes those preconceived assumptions that certain technology is beyond uh, approachable, but that's not certainly the case. Uh, And I'll get into it in in a little bit. So I was originally born and raised in Kazakhstan. And uh, upon graduating my high school, I decided to come to the United States in order to pursue higher education. So I moved initially to the to Florida. Thankfully, everything went well. Uh, I nailed it. And uh, after I graduated, I decided to move to New York because that's where the financial world locates and everything evolves in New York. So I relocated to New York and uh, pursued my career a little further. Now I've held various types of positions from finance to admin to marketing and to branding. So it's kind of a versatile type of a background, but has nothing to do with technology whatsoever. So uh, having been worked for almost five years with my previous employer, I just realized that I need to make a change. So I quit my job at the beginning of this year, got one-way ticket just to figure out what I want to do. And the reason why it's so relevant is because it's an interesting moment because once you start searching for answers, answers start coming your way. So at that particular time frame, a good friend of mine, uh, her name is Kate, she's the one who mentioned about cryptocurrencies and crypto assets overall. And the reason why I trusted her is because, first of all, we went to school together. So she's been a good friend of mine for quite some time. And also, upon graduating, she integrated in finance slash technological world. So she had firsthand information because she was working for one of the world's leading research and advisory firms. So fast forward a little bit, a few months, I started digging a little deeper, uh, started self-educating myself and just like kind of isolating myself, trying to understand what blockchain is and what it's trying to achieve. And I was entirely blown away. I was entirely blown away by the fact that it's such a huge uh, historical moment that we're currently in and uh, what it's that the way it's going to change how the businesses and individuals operate, the full decentralization model. And it spoke really true to my personality. Like I came from... Kazakhstan, which is a young developing country. 
which has some limitations. You know, there's sometimes a little bit of fraud, uh, you know, little inconsistencies in government spending. So, and blockchain, what it does, it creates full transparency. It eliminates fraud. It helps to fight corruption, etc. So, for that reason, it was just really true to to my personality. And uh, I returned to New York. Uh, we reconnected with Kate, and uh, as a result, uh, being kind of on the same page, having the same type of mentality, having similar types of backgrounds, helped me to join her team. And now I'm actually working in the blockchain community, trying to educate others and also continuously educating myself and expanding my network here in New York. Let's get down. I want to start with, with the crypto. I'm going to I'm going to here just just to make things simple. Um, I understand there are hundreds probably of cryptocurrencies out there. Uh, obviously, the gorilla currency is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So I want to focus on Bitcoin. I'm not I'm not um, discounting the fact that there are other ones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is a half hour podcast. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds mm -hmm. of this. So let's when I say when I say Bitcoin, let's let's work on the assumption that I'm referring to cryptocurrency general. Mm -hmm. um, so what? First of all, just a can you give us a plain English, general, understandable description of what a cryptocurrency is? How are the ways that you would hold it? Why would you hold it? Mm -hmm. And leading from. Um, Bitcoin into the blockchain? What is the relationship between Bitcoin and the blockchain? So, sorry, I realize that's a lot of questions all in one go. But what is a general um, understandable description of what of what Bitcoin is? So, um, you are quite right. Bitcoin is the first application, the first largest cryptocurrency that currently exists, but there are so many more. Now, when we talk about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, I just want you to keep in mind when you say crypto, crypto world, and it's derived from the world cryptography, we're talking about crypto assets. And crypto assets have multiple legs. Cryptocurrencies being the first fundamental use, use case scenario. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Bitcoin. So what ultimately Bitcoin is. Bitcoin, if you think about it, it's just a money that's been invented recently and introduced on the internet. As simple as this. So think about it as it's in a digital form and can be sent and received just like an email. Now, there are certain advantages of this, especially in developing countries where, for example, banking system uh, is not as well developed as here in the United States or when there are certain traditional financial instruments like checks or paper money are not certainly suitable with our digital lifestyle. And I hopefully you agree that we gradually kind of uh, getting into the, the digital lifestyle. So mm -hmm. that's an alternative to fiat or paper money, Bitcoin. And the reason why a lot of people like to use Bitcoin, uh, as I said, in uh, third world or emerging markets is because it's faster. It is less expensive in certain cases. It's more transparent. And a lot of people kind of don't have to worry about disclosing their identifications because sometimes it can be stolen, for instance, by scammers. So that's pretty much in a nutshell what Bitcoin is. So the part mm -hmm. of the reason, I guess what you're saying, is part of the reason 
that is so prevalent in what you might call emerging market countries mm-hmm. is there's less of an infrastructure to get rid Absolutely. of Bitcoin. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Whereas in the United States or in the UK, you have mm-hmm. very, very heavily established financial institutions and financial structures yep. that would need to that would need to crumble, mm-hmm. if you like, for Bitcoin to 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 dominate. Exactly. So how how what are the ways that um, in in say in the United States, what are the ways that I could hold a crypto asset? Where can I hold that? Well, in United States, uh, for example, I personal the way I got, for example, my first Bitcoin is that I simply, uh, you know, did the research and uh, realized and learned where, for example, Bitcoin is being available. And there are certain exchanges online where you connect your uh, credit card. And you simply purchase and exchange your fiat money to Bitcoin. And here we go. You have your digital currency. So one of the biggest digital uh, digital currency exchanges is called Coinbase. And it's widely popular here in the United States. You can literally link in your bank account and buy yourself a Bitcoin. In the same way that you might buy a stock on Precisely. Schwab or... Exactly. You know, it, it ultimately helps you to become your own bank without relying on third party. You know, I don't need, for example, and that's why I'm getting into the how Bitcoin is connected to the blockchain. I think the predominant uh, importance relies uh, under Bitcoin's technology called the blockchain. And, there are, and this word blockchain has been used in various types of uh, governments or companies or corporations and they want to implement their own blockchain but why bitcoin has survived for so long it's it's been actually more than nine years is because the blockchain the one that bitcoin has is the fully decentralized peer-to-peer type of a blockchain which means it eliminates the necessity to rely anymore on the third party meaning before we before we get into that, and that's actually what my next question is going to be yes. regarding that, I just want to focus a little bit more on this um, on Coinbase and the actual mechanics of owning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- if one you can own presumably uh, pieces of a Bitcoin, you don't have to buy one Bitcoin, right? You can own point three percent of Bitcoin, point mm-hmm. four or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and although it may not uh, be subject to um, certain other restrictions that uh, stocks and things have, it is still subject to the law of um, supply and demand, right? So the rate at which, so if I go in and say I want to spend $1,000 mm-hmm. on a piece of Bitcoin, that $1,000 at the moment I go into my Coinbase account is going mm-hmm. to get me, I don't know, a, a certain fraction of a Bitcoin. Yes. Mm-hmm. The next the next day when I log in, that fraction is going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I go in for my thousand dollars to buy a thousand more. I'm going to get less of a percentage of the Bitcoin than I did the day before. Mm-hmm. And equally, if the price has gone down, uh, mm-hmm. I can get more. So, it, it, in that way, it is similar to to stock. So let's get into the let's get into the really the really meaty stuff. And the reason, uh, the reason I wanted to separate these two 
component parts and that mm -hmm. you seem very keen for us to do exactly that, is that Bitcoin is a technology that relies upon the blockchain technology. So mm -hmm. let's move away mm -hmm. from Bitcoin and let's talk about the underlying technology, which is the blockchain, mm -hmm. which is essentially um, far more, potentially, I guess, far more revolutionary, far more impactful than uh, a, a cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin. Can you give us, again, a plain English understandable description of what the blockchain is and what it can realistically replace? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, in a nutshell, blockchain, or there's alternative definition to it, uh, distributed ledger technology, is just like a super advanced database or ledger that keeps the continuous record of transactions in a shared network that is open to public, meaning everybody can participate in it and get incentivized for doing the work. So, it's publicly available, it's fully decentralized, it's secure and trusted, which means once the records have been recorded in a chain of blocks, nobody can tamper with it or change change the structure of it. So that's the ultimate benefit of the blockchain. It eliminates the necessity for the third-party reliance. It helps us uh, organize, for example, how authority or trust cooperate with each other. So we move away from vertical business model to a horizontal type of a system where we eliminate intermediaries, right? Can, right? You, can, you, mm -hmm. can you give us an example? Like, talk about, the way, talk about the way something works right now and how something would work in a blockchain universe and what, what would be the difference. Can you give us an example of that? Sure. So, uh, perfect example. So, Bitcoin right now is the first use case, right? This is the cryptocurrency, digital currency, correct? So what Bitcoin, for example, eliminates is the necessity to go to third-party remittance services, such as MoneyGram, Western Union, etc., that charges hefty fees in order to transfer money from point A to point B, correct? Now, if right. you are located somewhere in Africa, you can, with, the, you know, with access to internet, uh, purchase Bitcoin and transfer it seamlessly very in a very fast manner across the globe, so it's entirely borderless, and for a fraction of a fee. Imagine that. That's that's revolutionary, in my opinion. That we're no longer going to need to have those third parties who are, have been sometimes unfair or unjust, uh, and we're entirely eliminating that. So that's one of the use cases. It's just the first use cases that's actually being widely used. Couldn't I use PayPal to do that? But PayPal charges you fees too. Mm -hmm. PayPal charges you certain fees if you transact domestically. Imagine if you wanted to transact uh, internationally. For example, uh, if you want to uh, transfer your sister money who is located somewhere in Europe, right? You go to your bank, your bank charges you a certain uh, fee, and plus it takes a couple of days. Right. Sometimes even longer. With Bitcoin, it takes the most minutes and it's super fast and it takes much less. Okay. 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 Well, um, what, what, other, what other industries are going to be, uh, are going to be turned upside down by this? 
other industries that the most immediate ones that I'm already seeing certain implications are, for example, healthcare. We're going to see how, for instance, our healthcare records are going to be kept. So the blockchain could be a wonderful solution to it. And there are already some projects integrating into this. Because right now, if you think about it, our health records are all over the place. If oh, you go yeah. to one doctor, you, uh, you, you, know, you can't find or, you know, or obtain your records from a previous doctor. With blockchain being this uh, uh, immutable type of uh, record-keeping system, uh, you ultimately going to have control your, your records right and it's going to be stored fully transparently available on the chain of blocks um so healthcare is one of the applications then we have supply chain supply chain has so many imperfections so many inefficiencies in a sense uh so for example we certainly certain let's say commodity moves from point a to point z but there's so many lost value in between Right, and there's so many paperwork that's come kind of mundane and uh, a little inefficient. So, with with the help of blockchain, think about it. If everything is kind of shared among different parties, so you know, logistical companies or certain uh, you know transportation companies, movers or carriers, if everything is located in one particular super database, right, and everybody can have access to it. That eliminates so much groundwork, so much paperwork, and ultimately increases the efficiency and helps to save a lot of money for companies. So that's just one of the two two industries. Examples Mm -hmm. of companies that could be affected by this would include UPS, FedEx, uh, these Mm -hmm. kind of people, very, very, potentially very, very severely affected. Precisely. Uh, Mm-hmm. As well as well as um, you know, financial institutions related back to what you were talking about earlier. Exactly, exactly. And so back to your point, for example, UPS. UPS uh, is already creating a sort of consortia where they are coming together, all of the carriers, and they're developing their own blockchain, permission-based blockchain, where the biggest corporations, for example, utilize this technology and use this platform just purely for enterprises where they can exchange the data, um, you know, but not widely available, for example, to public. The technology that I am really advocating for is called the blockchain, and it's permissionless blockchain, which means it's open to you, it's open to me, I can download software and I can see full transparency what's ever, where everything is happening. Whereas, so I, uh-huh. I actually find that your UPS story very interesting. So what you're talking about here is companies recognizing the threat, coming together with competitors and trying to get in front of the problem in a way that they can control mm-hmm. um, using that at least a version of that same mm-hmm. technology. Is that what's going on here? Uh, I, in my opinion, that's what's going on. But obviously, I don't want to generalize, right? I think in a perfect world, I'm a, kind of an idealist. Idealist. I would like to see the world fully decentralized. But I do realize that certain stepping stones are necessary. And uh, big corporations are hedging, obviously, their positions 
and they want to they are realizing what blockchain is capable of that's why they're coming right. together and trying to kind of secure their positions in a more of a controlled manner so i'm going to assume mm-hmm. from what you've said that there are a lot of very powerful people companies uh even industries that are going to be potentially negatively impacted by this technology so this would so opposition from these companies does that provide a challenge to the development of the blockchain and how would you, how would uh companies like yours attempt to overcome these challenges Uh these are very very valid questions and I think at this stage uh, given the fact that blockchain is so so early in its development right um I think everybody is experimenting whether you are independent developer and you want to see this world fully decentralized or you're working for a corporate corporation that view the blockchain as a potential threat for their existing business models um but uh, some of the challenges that for example existing at this stage in this stage of time i think is uh government regulation is number one mm-hmm. a lot of governments rely very heavily on existing financial systems and you know for generations and they operated their monetary and national policies around this old system right and they view blockchain as a threat coupled with a lack of understanding so what we need, what needs to happen is that governments need to be educated and certain framework and certain support and infrastructure needs to be facilitated if we want the blockchain to be fully mass adopted so another significant challenge right now that's kind of for tarnishing this technology in mass adoption is technological challenge in itself so uh it's security of the blockchain right it's a scalability issue or the speed of transactions for instance so bitcoin given the fact that it's first one it's highly uh, highly uh, i would say inefficient when it comes to speed of transactions i believe yeah. there's only four transactions per second whereas if you compare it with mastercard or visa they do millions if i'm not mistaken so those types of things need to be worked on and i think uh, you know developers are developers are diligently working and trying to address those issues and we're going to see the next uh, uh, generation of blockchain companies coming into play you know if you think about how internet came to existence internet had a lot of obstacles at the beginning right we we mm-hmm. didn't know what internet was when i re- remember when bill gates was trying to explain what software was people could not grasp how something so intangible can have value and be so disruptive but if you think about where we are right now we don't even think for example how our phones operate or how what goes are underneath uh, our computer system for instance everything is just working so seamlessly so we're going to get to that stage where everything is going to be working so seamlessly and people are not going to even know, notice everything is going to be kind of underneath the surface so i think that's what's going to happen to um to blockchain capital alone for instance is not is not an issue uh, when it comes to blockchain but what is ultimately lacking is uh, is a good um, transparent and legitimate infrastructure 
So if um, I'm, I'm going to kind of unchain you now, I'm going to let you go a little wild for a while. Let me let me say, uh, obviously, there are reservations. You just mentioned a number of challenges. Mm-hmm. But let's let's just let's just imagine for a moment that all those challenges um, are relatively swiftly overcome. Mm-hmm. If people like yourself and other people have a lot of faith in the blockchain mm-hmm. um, technology are all correct. Mm-hmm. What, what is society going to look like in, and I don't know how long, but I'm just going to pull a number out, say 20 to 30 years. Let's assume that the uh, blockchain challenges are overcome. What could society look like as a result of these changes brought about by the blockchain in like a perfect world for the blockchain true believers? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I consider myself a blockchain true believer (laughs) and I'm a little, uh, I'm a little optimist in my, um, in my predictions and I just want to see the perfect world. Right. So what does that world look like? So for me, this world would like, uh, would look like, um, where we move away from central authorities. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, when central authorities have too much power, they have a tendency to be biased or unfair, right? And there is a massive risk involved when central authorities have too much power. So therefore, I think decentralized networks can distribute and mitigate the risks, allowing both businesses and individuals operate in a secure and trustless manner. And that's what blockchain resolves. So if we embrace blockchain, what it ultimately creates, or I would say, I would rather say eradicates fraud, it reduces and hopefully fully eliminates corruption. It's going to bring more transparency to governments. So imagine being able as a paying tax-paying citizen to see where your money is going towards, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? So governments would be a lot more compliant and transparent. Another thing what a blockchain would help with, it would help to eliminate these manual, manual processes, right? So it will increase efficiencies, in my opinion, and hence decrease all of the money that's being lost, for instance, in business transactions. But one thing is for sure, Simon, fiat money is going to disappear. Think about fiat it. Fiat money, meaning meaning just to clarify, meaning fiat money, dollars that are in my pocket right now. Yes, the, paper the, money is going to disappear. If you think about it, I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, almost 90% of all of our transactions right now currently conducted digitally using credit cards. So we're not far away from full digital implementation of currencies. I was in a restaurant restaurant the other day that uh, told me they do not take cash. Yes, yes, we're going to see more of that, yeah. I mean, Wouldn't admittedly, they took credit cards, but uh, there was that was like I pulled cash out, and they looked at me like I had just, uh, you know, made a bad smell or something. They they looked down their nose at me like we don't take cash. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you know where we're heading, right? We're basically in integrating into the fourth industrial revolution, 
right? Which means we're going to have artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're going to have self-driving cars, Internet of Things, where physical assets are going to be digitalized, and blockchain is going to help to facilitate all of this. So, in a perfect world, I think we're going to be coexisting in this hybrid fashion, where uh, machines are going to complement humans. Right, and blockchain is not going to eliminate this full central authority. I think it's going to demand more transparency, more reliance, and more trust for from governments. That's actually I, that's actually a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting way of putting it. So more accountability on the part exactly. of the government because their transactions are more are more transparent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, so, I have learned. I've learned a lot in this uh, in this um, podcast, um, and I think uh, anybody who's listening to it will have learned a lot too. Can you just tell me a little bit more before we uh, before we wrap things up about the uh, company you work for and the work that they do and how how they are involved in this um, in this uh, industry? Oh yes, absolutely. So. Um, the company that I work for is called Black Accelerate, and it's a venture capital fund slash accelerator. And what we ultimately trying to do, we're trying to build this underlying support infrastructure for the blockchain's early stage startups. So what we ultimately trying to achieve and help those early startups with is to give them access to talents and give them access to leadership guidance slash mentorship. Uh, and lastly, give them access to different markets and customers so that companies, for example, the early startups can uh, experiment or deploy their concept before fully launching their platform, platforms or decentralized applications, etc. So, and in the next five to 10 years, uh, we are aiming to invest in 50 to 100 early stage blockchain startups. And uh, those startups are going to be uh, either platforms, then uh, decentralized applications, some of the applications that's going to be built on top of the pla- uh, pl- platforms. And, and we're also investing in tools, meaning companies that helping this ecosystem grow even further. So wallets or exchanges, anything that's basically uh, working diligently with us, um, trying to... Uh, uplift the world of blockchain. As, then, as, then, as, yes. as somebody who's um, as somebody who's working in the financial services industry, which is clearly uh, very much in the sights of blockchain, I do not quite know whether to be very excited or very scared about mm-hmm. what the about what the future holds for my uh, for my industry. But I think. Um, what you have done is at least you put some daylight between Bitcoin and the blockchain um, and explained how uh, they are completely separate items. And I think that was one of the big takeaways from this. Um, mm-hmm. But thank mm-hmm. you very, very much, Asema. I, I hope to see you soon. Um, we're overdue a coffee. And thank you for uh, explaining everything so clearly and um, in, in terms that most of us can understand. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Simon. So, 
if any questions, by all means, about, uh, Simon, what I can do uh, on top of that, I can actually provide certain resources where you, your listeners can go in and start self-educating themselves about the technology. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening in, and I'll be back with another guest very soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having Bye. me. Bye.